Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, church. If I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And if you're new around here, we're so excited that you're joining us this morning, worshiping with us. We're in the second week of our series called Jesus Is. And before we jump into the message today, I want to take a moment and celebrate um, some individuals here at New Community Church. Our vision as a church is that we believe God has called us to um, make people and places new. That's the heart of our church, making people and places new. And yesterday, um, we had a group of students that went out and that served in downtown Dallas and some of the housing projects down there with Metro Kids. They, um, as you can see in the pictures, they handed out food. They gave groceries away to families in need. They prayed with them, um, ministered to them, did some fun activities and games with the kids. They embodied Jesus um, on the streets of Dallas this past weekend. So can we put our hands together for these students? There was around 30 of them, and we love that. They're living out the vision of our church, making people and places new, and we love to see that um, in the hearts and the lives of students, living that out um, for New Community Church. As I mentioned, we're in the second week of this series called Jesus Is, and we're taking um, a few weeks, and we're just looking at who, how do we view Jesus? You know, so many of us, we have thoughts of who Jesus is by movies that we've seen or pictures, kind of depictions that we've seen of Jesus, stories that we've heard as little kids, maybe even growing up in church. But what does the Word of God say about Jesus? Like, what do we see in Scripture about who Jesus is? And so we want to take a a few weeks and we want to just look at what does the Word of God say and how does that affect our lives? How does that change the way that we live um, in our everyday life? And so last week, we talked about this idea, Jesus is a friend. And how when we begin to embrace that idea that Jesus is a friend, it changes not only our view of God, but our interaction with other people, how Jesus befriended and who he befriended, and it changes the way that we reach out and we minister to the life of other people. And today we want to talk about this idea that Jesus is grace. Now, I have a little bit of a confession to make. I am a little bit of a binge watcher sometimes with Netflix and Hulu. I don't know if anyone else does that. But I'm pretty excited. I'm a Seinfeld fan. Did anyone watch Seinfeld when it was on TV? Okay, Hulu has recently started streaming these again. And I love Seinfeld. I love, you know, that character Kramer. He's kind of spastic if you've ever seen him. He's got crazy hair, kind of the wild guy of the group. Um, And so I love watching them. And recently I was watching an episode called The English Patient. And as you watch this series of Seinfeld, you start to discover Kramer is kind of obsessed with Cuban cigars. Okay, he always wants them, but at that time they're illegal in the United States. So he's always kind of scheming, looking for a way to get them. And so he finds out Jerry, the main character, is going down to Miami to visit his parents. And he's like, Jerry, I've got a guy who's going to hook me up um, with some Cubans. So he's going to drop them off at your house. I need you to bring them back up to New York City for me. And so Jerry's like, I don't know if I want to do that, but Kramer convinces him. And so you see the next scene, Jerry's at his parents' house. He's there um, in his parents' living room, and he hears a knock at the door. And this guy, um, he opens up the door. This guy steps in, and he's like, oh, you must... You must be the guy, Kramer told me about where are the cigars, and then you see three Cubans step in. And they're like, where are the Cubans? And he's like, no, you're supposed to have cigars. And he's like, they're like, no, we're the Cubans. And so he calls up, and Jerry's ticked. He's like, I thought you meant cigars. And Kramer's like, no, those Cuban cigars are illegal in the United States. I wouldn't ask you to do that. 
And so he's making his friend bring three Cubans up. And it becomes this comical thing within the sitcom there of he's trying to wrestle with this idea that he's got people that he's toting everywhere that he goes. And grace is kind of a similar idea to that because sometimes we view grace as this principle, as this idea out there. And John in his gospel says, no, grace is a person. Kind of like that. Jerry thought he was getting one thing, but it was really people he was getting. And sometimes as we approach this idea of grace, we think about this theology, maybe this doctrine. And John reminds us, no, actually we see grace lived out in the person of Christ. When you're really talking about grace, you have to look no further than Jesus Christ and God embodied in the flesh, in the person of Jesus, and we see what grace truly is. And so we're going to look at this. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and in that Bible it's on page 576. And I want to encourage you to take that out and to read along with us as we see um, the gospel that John is writing here. John, um, if, if you have that, you can just hold that for one moment. John, as he approaches the Gospels, he approaches it totally different than any of the other writers. Three other people wrote the Gospel account, and all three of those start either with a genealogy. So this person was this person's father, this person was this person's father. That's how all the other Gospels start. They start with an angel showing up and giving this declaration and the birth of Jesus. But John starts with this other thought. Not really what happened around God coming, but why. Why did God send his son? Why was God coming to earth? And so John starts with this idea that God has wrapped himself up in flesh. The creator of the universe, the, the God who created everything, he chooses to be born as a child and to come and live among us. And so John dives into this idea, why would God do that? And in verse 14, we start to get a picture of what John is describing to his audience of that time. And verse 14 says this, in the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you have a Bible, you can highlight that line right there, full of grace and truth. Even if you have one, just underline it with that pen in front of you. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace Upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. What is it that John's trying to explain to the church that he's writing to? What is it that he's trying to get across in this idea? Why did God choose to send his son? And John says it's because Christ came as this embodiment of God's grace into our life. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And he's, he wants them to understand this idea. John wrote, to kind of two groups of people that were coming into the church and causing confusion. They were causing issues in the church. There was one group, and they were known as the Gnostics, and they didn't believe that Jesus really came in the flesh. So they were spreading this doctrine, and it was causing confusion. They said, Jesus really isn't a real person. He didn't really come and die and give his life in that way. Jesus is more of this idea. He's more of just this philosophy. He's not really God in the flesh. And John said, no, it was actually God coming, being born as a child. He is a real person. Jesus came and lived this out. There was this other religious group who was coming in and causing confusion in the church, and they said, yes, Jesus was real, but, but it wasn't really the fullness of God. It wasn't a full act of grace. It requires something from us. Like, after we accept Jesus, we still have to do something else. And John is saying, no. He's saying, when you see the person of Christ, you see the fullness of God's grace 
present in front of you. That's what we've witnessed. That's what we understand. That's what we see happening. John is clearing up the confusion and he's helping the church to understand. Jesus came. He lived. He dwelt among us. He walked. He ate. He slept. He did everything that we as humans do. And why did he do that? Because we needed to see a picture of God's grace. He's reminding them once again, Jesus is seen or grace is seen through the person of Christ, through the person of Jesus. You know, so many times we think of grace as just that principle out there. And sometimes it's easy to ignore that. But John is reminding us, he's reminding the church that he wrote to, no, it's different when it's not a principle. It's different when it's a person. When you're looking into the eyes of the person of Jesus and you're wrestling with this idea of grace that we can't do it on our own, but grace is the unmerited favor of God over our life. Grace is the unmerited favor of God over our life. And why did Jesus come? Because he represents the unmerited favor of God over our life. He's the embodiment of that, and that's what we needed to see. We didn't need God to write an essay and drop it down from heaven and say, okay, read about this concept of grace. God knew that we would need to see an example of it. God knew that we would need something more than just a theology or a doctrine to grab hold of. He knew that we would need him in the person, that we would need a physical representation of that to fully understand what it meant to receive God's grace in our life. And John's saying that's what we've seen in Jesus You want to understand grace, look at the life of Jesus. Look how he lived in the gospel. Look how he extends the love and the forgiveness of God. Look how he goes to the cross and he pays the price for your sin, for my sin. That's the picture of God's grace and we see it in the person of Jesus. We needed a physical representation of that. So John's encouraging us, embrace grace. Embrace the person of Jesus. Embrace grace in your life. Accept Jesus as the fullness of God's grace in your life because we need that inside of us. We need to embrace the idea that Jesus is grace. A few years ago, we were doing foster care classes. And so my wife and I were going through all of this training that you're required to in the state of Texas to be able to um, house foster care kids, kids that are in crisis. And so I remember one of these trainings, it stood out to me. You're being taught, how do you deal with kids that have been through extreme brokenness, who have been physically abused or verbally abused and have been neglected? And so they're teaching you, hey, here's how you interact with them. Here's things that they'll need. And in one of these classes, they talked about how kids respond when they first start to feel loved. Kids that haven't felt loved or kids that haven't felt safety or secure in a long time. What happens as they first start to receive that? And they said, it's going to be a little bit odd, but those of you that are getting teenagers or even kids that are 10, 11, or 12, the first time that they feel that, they'll do something. Typically, if you're sitting down, they'll crawl up in your lap like a little toddler would, and they'll want to sit there on your lap or they'll want to curl up and cuddle in your lap. And they said, as an adult, this is going to seem really weird, right? I mean, you got this big kid right there on your lap. But they said, it's not enough for you just to verbally affirm, hey, you're loved, you're protected, you're taken care of, everything's okay. They need a physical representation of that. And so they trained us, hey, you're gonna have to kind of balance that because it's awkward. You have this older person sitting in your lap and you, know, you kind of have to watch out what you do there. But, but they said, you're gonna have to somehow find out, find a way to wrap your arms around that older kid and let them feel that physical representation of love, of safety, of security. I started to think about that and I thought, we're not so different from those kids that have experienced that brokenness. 
See, in your life and in my life, we've been broken. Sin has separated us from God. And we didn't just need a verbal confirmation of God that, hey, you're forgiven. We needed a physical representation of the love of God in our life. We needed to be able to see it. We needed to be able to interact with it. And so that's why God sent his son. And John is reminding us, get a hold of Jesus. Embrace grace. It's what we need in our life. The fullness of God is represented through the person of Jesus. And we see grace being given into our life. And so how do we do that? How do we interact with the person of Jesus? How do we receive that kind of grace in our life? It comes by, by drawing closer to Jesus. It comes by drawing close to Christ inside of our life. Just what we did a few minutes ago where we lift up our hands together as a church, we come together and we begin to sing. As we worship together, we're drawing closer to Christ. We're interacting with the grace of God inside of our life. We're receiving the grace of God in our life. What you do hopefully every day as you start your day, just pausing for a few moments. Jesus, I need you present in my life today. God, I don't have enough as a person to do everything that I have to do today. And so, God, I'm asking for your grace. Jesus, come into my life. Enter my life. God, interact with me today. It comes by opening up the word of God. Every week I challenge you to take out your Bibles and to look at scripture. But hopefully you don't just do that on a Sunday. Because we see the picture of God's grace as we read through the Gospels, as we look at the story in the life of Jesus, as we read about his work on the cross, we start to understand the grace of God. And John is challenging us through this writing, hey, are you embracing God's grace? Are you interacting with Jesus on a daily basis? Are you inviting Jesus into your life so that you can receive the fullness of God's grace every day for every part of your life? He goes on to say this in verse 16. For from his fullness, this is talking about Jesus, from the fullness of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace. From the fullness of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace. He's reminding them Jesus is exactly what we need in our life. That grace of God, Jesus was that physical representation of God, and we needed the fullness of grace in our life. Why? It goes all the way back to the beginning of time. If you've read the book of Genesis or if you're familiar with the creation story, you know that God creates everything. He simply speaks into existence everything that we see except for man. He bends down on the ground and out of the dust of the earth with his own hands, he forms man. He breathes into man and into woman the breath of life and man becomes a physical living being. And he places them in the garden. He places them in the midst of their creation and Adam and Eve have clear instructions about how to live in a relationship with God, but they choose to obey. They listen to the serpent, they take the fruit, they eat of it, they bite down on that fruit, and they break their relationship with God. And when you read that story, what's one of their first responses after sin enters into the world for the first time? It's shame. Adam and Eve actually hide behind these bushes. They're taking leaves and they're taking different stuff and they're trying to cover up. They're trying to cover up the shame that they experienced for the first time as, G, or as God is walking through the garden and as he calls out their name, he says, where are you? And they say, God, we're hiding because we realize that we're naked. And that's the response of mankind all throughout history. In your life, in my life, when sin enters our life, when there's brokenness there, we try to hide. We try to cover that up. 
We hide that from other people. We realize that there's something wrong with our lives. We realize there's brokenness there. We don't know what to do about it. We understand we can't fix it on our own. So our initial response is the same as Adam and Eve. We hide it. Nothing's wrong here. Everything's okay. We put on a smile. We try to act like everything's okay. When deep down inside in our hearts and in our lives, there's brokenness. There's hurt. There's sin that's bringing death and destruction inside of us. And what do we need? We need Jesus. We need grace upon grace in our life. We can't fix it on our own, you guys. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves. We desperately need a God to reach down, to come, to be present among us, and to demonstrate his grace in our life. Because left to ourselves, we're broken, we're flawed, we're hurting people, and all we can do is try to cover it up. We can't answer the issue of sin. All throughout the Old Testament, you see the people of God, what would they do? They would take a lamb that was perfect, that was spotless, that had nothing wrong with it, a bull that without any blemish, a bull that was perfect, that there was no flaws, no defects in, and they would sacrifice it. Why did they do that? It was a picture of Jesus. It was a picture of what was to come. It was this idea that we're not perfect, we're broken, and we're trying to do something to fix, to answer the issue of sin. And the answer to the issue of sin came in the perfect Son of God who was born, who lived without sin 33 and a half years on this earth without any sin present in his life. And what we were unable to do on our own, what we are not able to do because we are sinful, the perfect Son of God came and sacrificed himself for us. We need the grace of God because we have sin in our life. And John's reminding the church, are you embracing the person of Christ? Do you see that Jesus is grace and are you accepting that into your life because it's what every single one of us need. All of humanity, we need the grace of God present in our life. So how do we receive that? It comes through this simple act. It's called repentance. It comes from not covering, not hiding your sin, not hiding your brokenness, but being honest with God. God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm a liar. I gossip, God. I have hatred in my heart, Lord. There's murderous thoughts in my mind. There's murderous thoughts in my intent sometime. God, I'm lustful. I'm a thief, God. All of this sin where we no longer hide it, but in repentance, we come before God and we receive his grace. And when? Not just one time. Not at the end of a service just one time. But grace upon grace. Grace upon grace every day. Every day in your life, every day in my life, being honest with God. God, I'm broken, and today I need the fullness of your son. I need the fullness of your grace over my life. Grace upon grace, not just once in your life. Every day coming and saying, Jesus, I'm embracing you. I'm embracing that grace is fulfilled in the person of Christ, and I'm asking you to cover me because I can't do it on my own. See, Jesus is everything we need, church. Jesus is everything we need. He is the fullness of grace. John ends this part in verse 17 with this statement. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through the person of Jesus Christ. 
He's saying, hey, there's these people that have come into the church and they're causing confusion. They're saying, of course, Jesus is a real person. Grace isn't just the principle out there, but it wasn't the fullness of that. It wasn't the completion of that. It requires something else from you. You still have to fulfill the law. God still requires something else for your salvation. And John is saying, no, that's not it. It's the fullness of grace and truth that we see in Jesus. And when we accept him, When we receive him into our life, there's nothing that we can add to it. Church, there's nothing that you can do to add to that. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't work hard enough to be in God's family, to receive his grace into your life. It only comes through the fullness of Christ. It comes through the work of Christ. You can't do something extra in your life. Have you received that or are you still trying to add to Jesus? Are you still trying to add to the work of Christ? In Luke chapter 15, there's this story of the prodigal son. You see this picture. Jesus tells this story of a son who has um, taken his father's inheritance and he spent it on wild living. He spent it on just partying and he comes to the end of the money. He comes to the end of the finances and he's wasted all of it. And he knows, I need to go back to my father. I need to go home to where my dad is, but I don't know how to do that. And so he prepares this speech. He comes and he starts to write this speech. He's ready to give it. Dad, I've sinned against heaven, so I know I've messed up with God. I've sinned against you. I've done something wrong against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And I started to think about that phrase in the middle of his speech that he's giving. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And at first, it seems like that's something good, doesn't it? But as I started to think about that, I thought, wait, was he ever worthy to be called the father's son? Like, was that ever really what it was about? Like, imagine if you have kids or maybe you do have kids and they come to you one day. They say, mom and dad, look at this. I've made a list of everything that I've done. Start all the chores that I've done, all of the times that that I've brushed my teeth, you know, I've taken a shower, all of these things that I've done, and I'm ready to tell you that I finally deserve to be called your son or your daughter, okay? Now you've been waiting for this moment, but I deserve it now. I've earned it. Look at all of this list of stuff that I've done. Wouldn't you say that I'm good enough now? We would laugh as parents, right? Partially because of the thousands and thousands of dollars that we spend on diapers and food and all of that stuff. I mean, how are kids ever going to earn that? But we would laugh because that's never really what it's about. Like it's never really about your son or your daughter doing enough so that they could earn your love or affection. That's absurd as an idea. So church, why are we trying to do that with God? Why are we trying to work hard enough to somehow earn his salvation when grace is unmerited favor? It means there's nothing that we could add to it. There's nothing that we could do on our own. We could pray as much as we want. We could read the Bible. We could go to church. We could do all of that. And it's never going to earn God's favor. We can't do it. The fullness of grace is found in the person of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're trying to work for it, stop. Just embrace Jesus. Embrace Jesus. Embrace his grace over your life. Receive the fullness of God's unmerited favor into your life by drawing close to the person of Christ. See, that's what John's reminding us of. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't add to it. You can't do it on your own. At best, all you can do is try to cover up your sin. But in the person of Christ, 
in the person of Jesus, we see God, the fullness of God, wrap himself up in flesh and give himself to mankind to say, I am all the grace that you need. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I just want to ask if there's anyone in this room this morning and as I've been preaching, maybe your eyes are being opened to who the person of Jesus is. To who Jesus really is. That he's not just some idea out there. He's not just some principle. He's not just some doctrine. No, he embodies the fullness of God's grace. He's the tangible person of God who came and lived on this earth so that we could know the love of God, so that once again we could be restored into the family of God. And if you're here this morning, and even as I'm talking, you understand, man, I don't have a relationship. I've been seeing Jesus as something else, but this morning I'm understanding that he is the fullness of the grace of God, and I need that in my life. If that's you in a moment, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come forward to the altar. I want to pray for you. The Bible's very clear. We're all broken. All of humanity, we're flawed. We're broken people, desperately in need of a God who loves us. We can't do it on our own. The scripture is very clear. We've all fallen short of God's plan, of God's purpose. But God has provided the way in his son Jesus through the work on, his, on the cross so that we could receive the forgiveness of God. And if that's you right now, don't look around. With no one looking around, but God is speaking to you. You know that in your heart. You need the grace of God. You need a fresh start in your relationship with God. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you're at and come forward to the altar? I want to pray for you. Right now, anyone at all, God is speaking to you. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't ignore his voice. Jesus is calling to you. He's inviting you into his grace, into a relationship with him. Well, if there's no one in that situation this morning in this room, I want us to respond in a different way. I'm going to ask the ushers who are helping us if they would come and start to hand out those cards. We're going to give you an index card this morning. And on there, we're going to ask you to write something. And as I begin to talk, as they're handing that out, just pass them down the aisle and um, just hold on to them for a second. I want to explain to you what we want you to write on them. This morning, as... I've been talking, we've been looking at how Jesus is the representation of grace. How John was writing to do two groups of people, to people that didn't fully understand that they hadn't accepted the grace of God in their life. They were trying to cover up their sin or ignore it to hide that shame that they felt. There was a different group of people that were trying to add to what Christ had done. And this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to respond in this way. In a moment, as the worship team just begins to lead us, as they begin to sing out, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting at to begin to write on that card. For some of you, you need the grace of God over your life. You need to just begin to write some of the sin that is attacking your life, addictions that you have, things that you think, man, I've given them to God, but they keep on reoccurring. It's a sin that occurs over and over in your life. And this morning, just symbolically, you need to write on there, God, this is my sin. I need your grace. And then after you've done that, you're going to come and just place it in the basket, symbolizing, God, I'm laying it down. I'm not holding on to that sin anymore. God, as I drop that in this basket, I'm asking for your grace to cover me.
For others of you, it may not be a sin like that, so to speak, but you may be working for God's favor. You may be trying to earn God's favor. You may think, if I can just do enough things, then God will accept me. Then I'll be good enough to be in God's family, but it doesn't work like that. And for others of you, you need to write down some of those things that you've been doing. God, I've been working this way. God, I've been believing the lie that if I just do this enough, then it'll all be okay, and I'll be okay with you. But God, this morning, I surrender to your grace. You're going to come and drop it in these baskets. And as you do that, we're believing that the grace of God is going to cover this room. The grace of God is going to cover our life. The person of Jesus is going to continue to come into our life every day and walk with us so that we can experience the fullness of God's grace. So just begin to do that. Worship team, if you'll begin to lead us, let's do that. Begin to write down those things and then come up and drop it when you're ready. Experience the grace of God.